The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11. On the line now, we've got uh, Councillor Angela Vithorkas, who is uh, part of the Council of the City of Sydney, but also is an expert when it comes to small business and is the leader of the Small Business Party. Uh, Angela, thank you very much for being on the program. Thank you very much. So the concerns are with this pandemic, perhaps, that small business isn't getting a fair run, isn't being taken into due consideration when perhaps some of these decisions are made, which is, of course, concerning because small business makes up a fairly substantial slice of our GDP and also has a number of knock-on effects to local communities. Correct. I think you only have to look at um, any decision made by any Premier or the Prime Minister to see that how it unravels after a few days or weeks when suddenly there's angst amongst uh, the citizens or the business community or they're not sure about something or they backflip or they try to backtrack something. So so clearly government at all levels isn't really asking the very people that they're telling what to do. So how big is the crisis cabinet? And I suppose the question is, is there room for one more minister? Well... It's it's not big enough, in my opinion, if it's only taking into account one voice from each state and the Prime Minister, because what you have is essentially um, trying to herd kittens, right? We've got different, different leadership styles, if you want to call it that, and that's me being generous, um, on how each state, state wants to function or protect their borders or protect their polling, if you will. And what you have is very little interest in how this economy is going to recover or the the roadmap. You know, they, they toss that out. They say they haven't got a crystal ball. Uh, they say they've got a plan. They want us to move from phase A to phase B. They, they say a lot of things, Mitchell, but what we're not hearing is the reality, the acknowledgement of the absolute destruction that's rife amongst the small business community and our very young. Um, how important is this crisis cabinet? Because it seems like they've made this decision, this plan, but I already hear premiers starting to say, well, we're going to go a slightly different way or not follow that. Mark McGowan in WA is one of them. But even in Queensland, they're saying, oh, I'm not really sure if 80% uh, fully vaccinated is enough. We would like to see that number higher. So is it actually a valid decision-making body when people are just going to go and do their own thing anyway? Correct. That, that's what all of us normal people are asking, right? The civilians outside of that room. What's the point of you getting together and making decisions when you just end up walking away and going, well, actually, maybe we talked about it in that room, but we're not really going to listen to what you all said. So it sounds like it's just a catch up, you know, a general catch up, but with no real decisions. So we're, we're lacking leadership. We're lacking people coming forward and saying, we need to do these three things to get to the other side. And when we get there, this is what's going to happen. Everybody's scared, I think, to say the truth. For some reason, Mitchell, they don't think we can handle it, but I think we can. I think that's an issue perhaps here in Victoria, and I said this at the start of the program, that the decision-making at the moment seems to be quite opaque and they just tell us what their findings were. But I just start to wonder now, given that it looks like this lockdown is going to be in for some time and some say maybe until we're fully vaccinated, which on current projections indicates that we'd get to 80% maybe in around mid-November. I'm just wondering if we need to now come out and start saying, well, these are all the scenarios that we're facing. And if we are, in fact, going to be in some sort of lockdown between now and November, uh, we should probably start preparing for it rather than taking things day by day and week by week. 
Exactly. I mean, if you if you look at the body language of, of the different premiers around the state when they come out for their press conferences and the way they they cherry pick what information we get this week or last week and what's suddenly more important, what they're not understanding uh, and certainly what they're not acknowledging, in particular to the backbone of the economy, which is the small business part of it, is that we have to plan. So small business can't just sit back and say, oh, we'll just see how things are going to go in September or October or November. All these people making decisions on behalf of the people are still getting paid. They're still getting their full wages. They're still getting their full benefits. They know what they can afford tomorrow and next week. They're still getting money paid into their super. Well, there's a big chunk of our population who aren't getting paid, who can't build a future, whose debt is growing day by day, who are facing imminent financial destruction, and there is no word for them. Yeah, I think the thing is, if we're going to be in lockdown and if a business is going to be prevented from trading until November, then yes, we'd perhaps like to know about that because I'm assuming they can make other arrangements and I don't know, change how they apply for grants because I think that's another issue this year and I don't know what your thoughts are, but there appeared to be a lot of government support last year, JobKeeper, for example, whereas this year we're going through a similar number of days in lockdown. In New South Wales, it's actually more, but we don't seem to have the same level of support. Correct. We have had very little um, legal clarification, for instance, on the mandatory tenancies code for landlords and tenants. So that was very slow coming about again. We've had very little in financial support. I mean, you know, when, when New South Wales government is, is proud saying, you know, we've got all these grants happening, ten or $15,000 in a one-off payment for any small business who's paying probably that in rent a month, and has now had, you know, almost four months of lockdown, but 18 months of 50% reduction in trade, they're all over the place. I mean, those grants, there are still people waiting for some of that money to come through, and this is nine weeks after the announcement. So I'm not sure what result any state or federal government is waiting for, but what you have is hundreds of thousands of small business owners with their back up against a wall. Now, you're a councillor of the City of Sydney. What is the mood like up there? Because, of course, down here in Victoria, we take a slightly tougher approach to lockdowns and trying to drive the numbers down to zero. But I know there are quite a few people in Victoria watching New South Wales just to see what happens. I mean, the numbers are increasing in terms of the number of new cases. But the question is, will the health system up there be able to cope? And can you strike a balance between managing the virus and also having some economic activity? I don't... I don't think we're seeing anyone manage anything, Mitchell. That's our problem. Uh, I think um, the politicians think they're being judged rather harshly. You know, they, they haven't got a crystal ball. They're doing the best they can. Their priorities are our, our health and safety. But what we're not seeing is whether we can actually cope with this. I mean, we've got 2% foot traffic in the CBD of Sydney. We've I've got thousands of small business owners who don't know what to do past today. I've got hundreds of other families who are telling me they're not going to be able to pay their rent or pay their mortgage. If our health system can or can't cope, and we're assured every day that it can, but then we have another press conference saying, you know, you're not doing the right thing. It's it's a lot of finger pointing to the actual residents who are the ones suffering and not enough understanding. We're doing horribly in New South Wales. I have no interest anymore in seeing a state premier get up every morning and say, can I thank you for what you're doing? No, you can't. I don't want thank yous. I want action. I want results. I want to get out of lockdown and I want to get a life back. 
And I'm not talking just about me. I'm talking what everyone else is telling me. So if we gave you that seat in the crisis cabinet, what sorts of policies would you advocate for? And in fact, how would you approach this situation that's confronting the state governments at this time? Thank you. That is the best question anyone gets to ask. <laughs> so the the issue is that, and I'm, I'm not talking about finger pointing, but I do want to state very harshly up front that we've stuffed up in New South Wales because of quarantine and because we didn't impose the rules that we actually have, we never actually impose them as far as legislation or law goes. So what we've had is people bringing the virus into New South Wales and no mitigating risks to watch that barrier right there. We had a Bondi cluster start very quickly and instead of looking at a harsh, quick sharp containment there, what we did was we had an equity division in having, you know, the, the the eastern suburbs, if you will, of our Sydney area that are more well off. We let them run rampant, but we shut down southwestern Sydney. So we've had that inequality. What we need inside the cabinet is someone to say, when you make this decision, this is the consequence and if that consequence is more lives and those lives are our economy, yes, we have a health crisis, but as we can see, the government isn't there picking up the tab and they're not going to be there to pick up the tab next week or the week after. Surely, surely after 18 months, we know how to live with this virus as safely as we can without destroying more lives than this virus will ever take. And just last of all, the Small Business Party, talk to us about that. Do you have plans to run at the next state or federal election? So we, we've been up and running for the last five years. We've run um, one local. We're about to run another one in New South Wales. We ran at the 2019 state and federal election. We certainly do have plans, Mitchell. It's It's clear to me that small business doesn't have a unified voice. We very clearly do not have representation at any level of government. I mean, even the feds, they got rid of the small business department and the small business minister. There's only one in name only. It's shocking that the backbone of this country doesn't have representation. All we want is a fair go. All we want is to be heard as loudly as any other lobbyist or any other interest group. You know, if we had Harvey Norman tacked on at the end of our name, we'd be able to get, you know, 60 or $70 million in JobKeeper and flaunt it in the face of small business and say, no, we're not going to give it back. Instead, we've got hundreds of thousands of people trying to fill out a form to get ten dollars or $15,000 and still be waiting for it. So without true representation, we will never have our voices heard. Well, thanks for being on the program. And if you've got a Victorian Senate candidate closer to the federal election, feel free to get in touch. More than happy to have them on the program. And uh, good luck Thank with you. your efforts. Thank you very much, Mitchell. Thank you. Angela Velakis with us there, who is the small business um, party um, representative on the city of Sydney, the leader of the small business party, and clearly has uh, quite a few things to say about the way things are going in New South Wales, but also here in Victoria. And I think we have to come to terms with the reality of the situation. And if we are going to be in lockdown between now and November, I think, number one, we need to be upfront about that. Or if we're not going to be upfront about that, at least say, well, we're not going to be out of lockdown until we have a rolling average of... Remember that last year, they had the roadmap out of lockdown, and I think it got amended 
uh, so many times that it probably got redundant, but at least some sort of loose framework to give us some idea going forward. The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 to 11. Or search for Mitchell's Front Page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you get your podcasts.